1: And this week, my guest is John Whalen. He's the CEO of Brilliant Experience. Uh, He really is brilliant. He has a PhD in cognitive science and his company, I'll let him tell a little more about it, does a lot of high-end user experience and conversion research for for larger clients. Welcome to the show, John.
2: Hey, thank you so much, Tim.
1: Well, I know you were a top-rated speaker, I believe, at our first conversion conference we ever had in San Jose, I think. Uh, So... You know, you've been around this conversion thing and user experience stuff for a while. Uh, tell us about uh, what your company does, the kind of client uh, projects that you work on.
2: Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, our, our little uh, brilliant experience has been uh, growing recently. And really what we do is uh, three things. We really do the, uh, you know, really deep in-depth uh, study of users, watching them work, doing contextual inquiry, things, eye tracking, things like that. Really try to understand what's in their head, not just what they're saying. We uh help a lot with with u uh, x strategy, so if we've got this insight, what could we make for for a great uh, product, and you know what would be truly unique in in the field and then also doing the classic u x uh design and, and user experience kind of work as well
1: okay well um, so its it's interesting that you say you know just uh, uh well we we watch what they do not you know do do as I do, not as i say right uh so you know a- anything that's modulated through voice or explanations or any of that. Uh, or uh, post-action rationalization, I guess is the best way to put it, is very suspect in my mind. So you're actually trying to observe what motivates their, uh, you know, basic irrational subconscious brain.
2: Exactly. You know, we were saying, we say uh, user experience is not on the screen. It's in their head. And so what's in their head? And that's something that they they don't typically articulate. So it's the behaviors, it's the emotions, all all those things tied together that we try to, you know, get a sense of good.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, anything just, uh, like I said, I forget who said it, uh, but, you know, man is not a rational animal, he's a rationalizing animal. Uh, I love that quote, uh, I'll have to find the, the reference, but, uh, so, like I said, anything that people verbally say is completely, you know, BS. They can't access why they make decisions, which are, are more intuitive. Is that true, or am I overstating it?
2: Oh, I think that's pretty fair. Probably on very high-level decision making, they'd like to think they know what they're doing, and in many cases, there's so much that's tied up with our emotions or, or our instincts, and and just uh, you know classic decision-making shortcuts we use because our memory gets overwhelmed. That we just make often make somebody snap decisions. But even you and I, who know so much about the brain, so we can't stop ourselves.
1: Nope, no, nope, no, nope. so um well, so uh, how do you get at real underlying motivations and how do you and reasons for actions and, and things like that? Tell me some of the tools in your toolkit
2: yeah, you know we we do things a little bit differently than many uXers, so often the cases that that you know we, we would just ask them, you know hey, what are the requirements for something and 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 you know that that will lead to failure and so what we really try to do is you know, watch and see what draws their attention. And we're actually following what language they're using for the, the level of sophistication they've got. And we're trying to, uh, we actually do try to do some things on, on uh, getting some of the emotional content and, and you know, when people are, are happy or freaking out about something. And also just trying to follow what they believe their logical decision-making process is because they need to see some of the things for what they're consciously doing. And then we also try to support their underlying unconscious decision-making at the same time. So it makes it tough to make a design. But
1: I think that's what makes it best. Okay. Well, so, so it's a blending of, you know, functional requirements that need to be met and, uh, you know, more deep seated uh, drives and goals that that actually satisfies. Right. So uh, the, well, give give me an example of, uh, you know, where there's a disconnect between a purely functional user experience design and something that incorporates uh, knowledge of their emotional state.
2: Oh yeah. So, um, uh, one project we did recently, um, in this case, uh, I guess it happens to be um, PayPal. There's going to be lots of them. Um, you know, we it was, it was what we did is we gave, uh, you know, here are the logical reasons why you might go with this company um, for, you know, here are some factual-based information. But ultimately, all these companies are trying to do more conversion and selling themselves and, and are also, you know, their bottom line is so crucial. So we give them uh, lots of information on there that pictures and things that, make them know that, hey, this is kind of like you, and then also have things uh, that have to do with this, just I want to sell more and it's going to be really good, um, that we put in there as well. So we have both that to get them excited, and then when they say, well, but I want to be very rational about this, we have the data points that the rational, you know, a rational person would like to have to present to their boss to make the decision. So oh. blending those two together.
1: Okay. Well, so, but, but specifically, I mean, I think the rational, I understand if someone clicks on a more details link, they, you know, you give them the kitchen sink and the features and per benefits and all of that. But how do you, what you, how do you determine what the psychological motivations are for them to act or what psychological needs also need to be met? What are the tools you're using for that?
2: Yeah, we're really, what we're doing is we're actually doing a lot with, um, what we'd call a semantic network, so just literally, what are the the concepts they're putting together, and what are the stages at which they're in the decision making process, and then what are what are the things that were most motivating at that moment. So it's a lot of the sort of just in time decision making from from early, is this the right kind of product for me? Oh, it's kind of cool. Why is it cool? Oh, okay. Um, well, do I need one of these? Is this the right one for me? Like, so at each stage, we really try to get to um, what are the things that would be compelling from from a sort of gut level and. Okay, but but, but I mean, I'm
1: I'm just going to call, you know, just a shortcut this a yeah. little bit. But I mean, but what I'm hearing, I, I, that is not different from standard user experience design. What you're saying is you're going to map to every stage of the customer journey. You know, they're in the, they, I have a vague problem and an itch I need to scratch stage to the uh, researching, considering alternatives, uh, you know, making a decision, acting. Those are, you know, supporting the customer journey or customer experience. That I get, but, um, you know... What about the psychological component? How does that play into it? I want to kind of un- yeah. unpack so, that a so, little.
2: Well, you know, we you know uh, we we try to get to a little bit of the um, uh, fears and desires they have. So, just literally um, in, in our world, lots of times it's people who you know this is going to be their job if they don't get this wrong, you get this wrong, or they're going to be a hero at their company if they get it right. So, what are the things there that, that are reminding them of? You know, what, what's on the line and, and what actually could be so great if you get this. So what, you know, the, the imagery of success and some of the messaging that would be, uh, you know, it has nothing to do with the product, but really has all to do with, you know, a little bit more of the brand or the lifestyle and getting at, um, uh, just, you know, the joy that they can have if they actually get this correct and a little bit of the fear of if you don't act. This is going to be a big, big challenge. So we do try to get to what, what are sort of the base motivations, you know, whether it's staying with their job or staying with their family or getting that awesome vacation and reminding them that there's a bigger picture here that do you want that well then you ought to do this as well um, yeah so, so, well so i like uh,
1: you know I, I, there's a i just recently read a book which i highly recommend called decoded by phil barden the science behind why we buy. And one of the things he talks about is that, you know, we basically have these high-level goals uh, that the brands have to map to. And the goals are, you know, things like excitement, adventure, autonomy, discipline, security, and enjoyment. And so you have to really figure out, you know, which of those is your brand promise and what angle should you use to try to get in my underlying motivations. Does that make sense?
2: oh Yeah, and, you know, we we know a lot about, you know, all all these – you know, persuasive design kind of things at a very high level. I, I think the thing that we're trying to do is, is connect this not only with that very high level decision making and, and gut level things that, that you're describing here as well, but also going back to the more primitive, um, are we drawing their attention to the right thing at the right moment? Are we, are we activating the right semantic networks that have all the, the meaning associated with the right kinds of frameworks that we want them to think about as well? So kind of teasing along and activating the right ways that they would, uh, um, you know things that would drive the right kind of, of uh, memories, thoughts, decision-making processes to keep everything moving along. So we're trying okay, to get so, it so you're
1: you're really saying so semantic networks may be a term that people aren't familiar with in in, in the conversion world, but basically you know what uh, there's a, there's a saying in uh, in neuroscience you know uh, what w- fires together wires together you know the parts of your brain that all react to the same stimulus get stronger and stronger connections and associations so basically you know anytime you see a red light and you see a car hurtling across the intersection you know you're know not to step into it you know, so it triggers a fear response or whatever and you see that enough times you stop step- walking across red lights right so but basically everything in our brain is kind of associative learning the stuff that isn't hardwired anyway that's kind of what you're referring to right
2: Exactly. Thank you for translating from all this uh, sciencey stuff. You're exactly right. So you can imagine, for example, um, when you think of, a, of a, a bar that's like down in a basement, you're expecting to be like dark and have a certain smell and a certain, and you don't want to order the finest cognac there. You want to have a draft beer, and, and then the other place, it's got the chandeliers and it's all fancy. You've got all these other expectations. So all, yeah, all you're going to have the apple tini
1: in that one, right?
2: exactly right you got <laughs> okay
1: it. well we're gonna we're gonna break in two <laughs> minutes uh, uh, for a couple of minutes and we'll be back to continue our, our conversation with John Whalen
0: more LPO landing page optimization in just a moment
3: Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship webmasterradio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial go to shipstation.com slash webmaster radio now shipping nirvana starts here
0: welcome back to lpo landing page optimization only on webmasterradio.fm here's tim Ash.
1: And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization, continuing my conversation with John Whelan, the CEO of Brilliant Experience. So, John, before the break, we were talking about this this notion of uh, just kind of getting at the right associations. Now, one of the things that Um, I've been focusing on recently is, you know, I used to have these battles with the brand Nazis, as I call them, in in companies Mm -hmm. that insist you use the right font and colors and only use certain kinds of imagery with the brand. Um, But what I realized that, you know, the reason I didn't like that is because uh, they insisted on the physical input being very specific, the stimulus, if you will. And what activates the brain, like you said, is this notion of what's the underlying mental concept or association uh can we talk about that a little bit or can you expand on that and how that applies to online marketing
2: Oh sure so I mean, at its simplest, I remember working with a with a bank, and you know, all the banks love to be blue in their branding. And so this bank had, every, you know, every um, title was had, was blue. Actually, it was a white thing with blue in the background. And then what were the buttons? They were white with a blue background. And then what was the <laughs> logo? White with a blue background. So and that's on was, brand.
1: Yeah, great.
2: Right. It was right. It was perfectly ambiguous what you could click and what you couldn't. It was like a hundred percent. They couldn't have done it better in making it terrible. So I think the point there is, right, we we want to break free from that and, and just make it so, you know, obvious. So I think my favorite things are when we do usability tests and someone looks at me like, what, you want me to do this? It's so obvious. It's right there. And they get mad at you. And then, you know, you finally got it right. So I think yeah, I, I actually case, call
1: that the yeah. obvious standard. If my mother-in-law can understand it, then it's obvious enough and you're not losing any more money.
2: I know, and and there's so much money to be had by breaking that brand ever so slightly just by bringing this thing into into the foreground and drawing attention to it so um yeah we have we have the same challenges of course with brand and and I think that uh, you know i I think the key there is is what what does is the brand stand for, and then great let's talk about what it stands for and make sure we're consistent with that, but then we're using all the things we know about um vision science and other things to to you know make the flow the eyes go down to the first thing and the second and the third that we'd really want them to to keep them on brand and right then, and that's and the the
1: visual and that's the visual representation so i I like this analogy like um you know so if you're talking about Marlboro and you use, you know, cowboys uh, herding cattle and the Marlboro red and, and very tall font, black font with the Marlboro letters, everyone gets that. You can also get the same brand with just the color red and just the cowboys. Uh, or you can get rid of the color red. And if I just showed you cowboys with cows in a, and I ask you what, what uh, cigarette brand that brings up, you know, you'd think Marlboro anyway. Because in the brain, it all maps to this underlying concepts of of masculinity, freedom, independence, that kind of thing. So the actual representation, you know, we can't get so anal that we get stuck on the representation. It's creating the right um, mental concept to map it onto the brand that matters, right?
2: Exactly right. Yeah. So we we want to make sure it, it uh, as you were saying, what fires in your head, we want the right uh, words to fire up in the right level, just like. Um, uh, you know, so if it's uh, Ravens here in, in Baltimore, you know, Baltimore, it's thinking about, you know, Ravens football as opposed to Ravens, birds, you know, and and you get all sorts of different concepts that come up right away. And you don't need exactly the right logo for for a raven in order to get that idea. You you know all about football and you know all about birds. So, yeah, it's exactly right.
1: Yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is if there's, you know, really close-minded, orthodox people, the keepers of the brand inside your company, uh, I would say as conversion marketers and online marketers more broadly, we have to push back against them and say, look, that representation, the input, the stimulus is what we're going to experiment with and see – whether it resonates with the brand and we get the results. That's how we know we're successful. But you can't, you know, tie my hands together and tell me that I have to use, you know, uh, this 12-point sans-serif font. That's that's too well, restrictive.
2: I, absolutely. Will, the reverse is true, too. Hey, is, are you really going to like your brand if we keep it exactly to whatever this, um, you know – uh, Sans Serif font is if everyone hates it and they're they're calling you up instead of using your website and then you're driving them crazy that's hardly making your brand more supported. So yeah, re- having p- be willing-
1: pissing off at the customer experience level and costing yourself a lot of money in customer support uh, that's not going to improve your brand long term. Huh?
2: Not not to my knowledge, no. <laughs> uh,
1: okay, well let's uh, let's talk let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the kinds of um, I guess techniques uh, and and uh, that that you use to collect I- information from visitors how do we you know what are some uh, tactics that you use or tools that you use or or uh, that 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 you you find helpful for getting insights
2: yeah sure so um uh, when we're doing a UX research, we really like to be you know in, what we would say in science institute we want to be right where they are so Um, uh, I actually just came from uh, a group that was using some fancy piece of software and I actually went to their office and sat behind them and actually watched them work. And if it's someone who's going to be using their iPad to buy stuff, we would love to be sitting on the couch with them while they're watching TV at that moment. So, seeing you know, exactly what they've got around them, seeing what uh, the phone is ringing, what the noise is like, all that kind of stuff. We, what we the distractions
1: are, right? You know, how tired exactly. they are, what time of day it is. So, so what, I, what I'm hearing you say is there's actually a very strong case uh, to be made against formal usability labs and observing people through glass or focus groups, these artificial environments
2: increasingly we're going where they are or we're doing remote tests so that we can actually connect with them where they are. You know, when we do a national study in a week and, and it's because we can do these things um, remotely because they're exactly where they would normally be. Yeah. We try to draw all those memories and feelings and so on, you, you know, actually, um, you know, of, 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 uh, when you when people are talking about addiction, for example, that your body reacts, you know, it prepares for whatever if it's going to be alcohol. It prepares for that alcohol coming if you walk into a bar. If there are all these things that we do automatically in our heads, and so exactly the same way, if we want to know what how they're experiencing buying, we need to be in that buying mode right there or converting mode. So so yeah. yeah so that, if you so, just
1: do a, a a blind taste test in, in a in a uh, well lit room of different whiskeys you're going to get different responses than if you if you actually ask people that in the bar in the dark I bar
2: that's oh, it's an awesome example because it actually tastes different in those places. You know, there's no, you know, there's no reason scientifically why that should be the case except for the way our brains are wired. And so you, you're right on point there. You know, so we see, you know, what's drawing their attention to that moment? You know, what are the words they're saying to know if they're really into this, if they're really thinking about it deeply? Are they just, you know, surface level? We try to, um, uh, you know, collect You know what? What are the what do they say? The steps are they're taking versus the behaviors they're doing that suggest a different maybe decision process. Mm -hmm. So we're we're collecting a lot of different pieces to build up a persona, to build up some of the um, memory associations they have. Um, and, and, we, as much as possible, try to do like eye tracking and, and you know, mm-hmm. behavior things we can all agree on and look at and, and, and say that it happened.
1: So. Right. But one of the things I want to also tease out is how important is it to not to interrupt their actual tasks? In other words, are you largely a, a passive observer or are you asking them to do a kind of a talk out loud protocol or, you know, how, how, uh, how much do you mess with the timing of what they do? Because obviously yeah, having to explain it will change the experience.
2: Absolutely. So, so we really try to to um, watch and learn. So first get them to do something, and once we're about done with that, then we might ask them a few questions once they're done. I, I find it's, you know, hey, do you like that? Do you want to click there? What about this? Um, you know, those things totally blow their, their um, you know, plan for what they're going to do out of the water because they can't hold all memory and answer your question at the same time. So we need to watch them work and then we need to talk about it a little bit after the fact. I think that's Okay, so so thing.
1: so basically no talk out loud protocol. Don't have them change the speed or focus of what they're doing. So watch them do it and then maybe get some hopefully additional useful information by interviewing them afterwards.
2: We try, yeah. You know, on occasion, you know, if we're first starting with something, we might get a little bit more of that you know, just what are we talking about here with a, a couple people that we're, we're um, doing a first protocol with. But mm-hmm. but really, um, once you're into it, we really try to watch them work more and more and more and do less and less of the talking. So it really is about behaviors.
1: Okay, fantastic. Well, we're going to take our, our, our last commercial break here. And when we come back, I want to talk about your unusual, well, I guess usual for Canadians, eh? Uh, <laughs> sleeping north of the Arctic Circle uh, under polar bear skins. Very, very Canadian, John. We'll be back in two <laughs> minutes after okay. from our sponsors.
0: More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment.
3: Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com.
0: Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash.
1: And we're back. This is your host Tim Ash with LPO Landing Page Optimization, uh, continuing my conversation with John Whalen, the CEO of Brilliant Experience. John, sleeping north of the Arctic Circle under polar bear skins. What up?
2: I know it's great, isn't it? So uh, it's great. We well, is- I, I
1: think no, 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 not not to non-Canadians. I mean, well, it not to –
2: on who you depends on who you're <laughs> with, but. Um, Case, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Who, who's we, under
1: that bearskin with you? That's true. Precisely.
2: So we were we were actually, in this case, it's a uh, meet your fellow Canadians program. You actually got flown up, you know, way, way north of the Arctic Circle. And so we see, you know, uh, what those folks are doing and they come down and visit us. So, you know, in this case in Toronto and they got, you know, uh, well, basically freaked out about things like escalators because we'd never seen them before. And we clearly were not as good at basketball because they had one basketball court and then ice and snow. And so they were awesome at basketball. So yeah, it's (laughs) it's where you see such a different perspective, right? And and even at the time, which was a while ago, they had amazing satellite, way better satellite TV than we had in Toronto because that's the only thing they they could have. So they, they knew some of these programs, just like a, uh, you know, a Northern exposure. It was actually really, uh, you know, some of that was like that, but there was amazing (laughs) skills they had, you know, so you and I just aren't as as facile at, how do you use um, uh, every piece of, of the environment you've got? And they had these amazing ways to use the ice and snow to, um, you know, actually hunt for things. And, and they're, they're really eating those and using every, everything they can. They're very effectively. You know, we, we came from, from where we were and we thought we had good gloves. And they just laughed at those gloves and threw them away and gave us, you know, seal skin gloves. And they were like 10 times better. So, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fascinating to see our different worlds. It was really cool. Um,
1: Cultural exchange with, with the Eskimos. I love it. Um, all right. Well, a uh, be, be, be couple of quick questions for you. So if you um, – if, if I, I hear people probably thinking, okay, well, all this user experience and uh, watching people in the wild stuff is great. But, um, you know, uh, how do I get started? I mean I can't get huge budgets. So is there are there some shortcuts or cheap man's user experience? How do you recommend people jump start this and get and – get, um, I guess, buy-in from their company to do this kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, you know, often, uh, of course, we're all asked this question. And, and so I think the first thing is that, um, you know, getting, a, uh, getting as close as you can get to the users is optimal, obviously. So we really try to go and visit them in their office. But if we can't do that, let's do, uh, you know, a, one of these things, tools like WebEx or GoToMeeting, and we can connect with them. And so for half an hour, you can do something remotely remotely it costs almost nothing, and you can pay that person a small amount, and boom—you've got some user testing there. So we definitely say let's do a little bit of testing at first, to and then actually collect that video, show some clips to the stakeholders, and then they actually start to get interested. On wow, I had no idea that happened. So I think. Okay. More so can,
1: is, you know, so basically, like you're saying, you use remote tools, kind of do guerrilla. Marketing with it, some guerrilla user research, and then um, if you know, edit that down. I think that's an important step. You didn't mention if you're going to show it to other people. Don't make them sit through a half hour of somebody poking oh. around on your website. Edit it down no. to to a highlight reel of critical moments, right? Or insights. Oh
2: yeah. Sorry, that, that goes without saying. You're absolutely right. So yeah. Here, well, it here, doesn't because you know
1: you can easily bore people by having them watch too many video replays. Oh yeah, that,
2: right, right. Here, here's four hours of video. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. No, no, no. We're talking about like three 20-second segments to show to to pique people's interest and like, hey, you want to know more? Well, you know, pony up the money and let's do a little bit more studying. So absolutely. And 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 also, if you can't find exactly the right person, you find the next closest. So if it's if it's not exactly this neurosurgeon that you need to study, great, let's do one of the doctors who's in a related field or let's do a nurse that does that kind of stuff because they're easier to get a hold of, you know, whatever we can do to get approximate where we're headed. And okay, so something that, you it. know,
1: my, my friend Steve Kruger wrote, Don't make me think, or it's it's not rocket surgery. Uh, you know, he's a big fan of informal usability testing. Sounds like you're echoing that. It doesn't you don't have to hand pick a slate of people exactly in your target demographic. Most people you'll get good insights about what's broken from more general people or less appropriate people, as it were.
2: Yeah, we're just, we're just trying to get as close as we can to the ideal market. And, and you know, if you've got the super specialized tool for, um, you know, uh, injecting an IV into someone, of course, you need someone who needs to know how to inject an IV. But the vast majority of things we're doing are about, um, you know, hey, can you find this product? Do you want to buy it? or Do yeah. you, do you know, know which insurance?
1: cable satellite package you want for your Eskimo village, right? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out.
2: You've got it. Or, you know, if you want a new, you know, chain, Fierce Kadoo. Exactly the same idea. Yep, you got it.
1: All right. Well, uh, so John, if somebody wants to reach out to you and, and get a hold of you, um, are you presenting anywhere? Are you? Uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch?
2: Yeah, we we are um, presenting. I, I present uh, fairly often um, at uh, User Experience Professional Association. I think that the next thing. Uh, let's see. Gosh, the next one we're talking at is um, there's a thing called MoDev, which is Mobile Developers uh, originally, but it's called MoDev UX. Is, is I think the next conference I'll be at. And uh, uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, actually, I, I think also there will be some, some venues actually coming up in New York and um, uh, in Boston, actually. We'll be talking in the new year, so will be exciting. Okay,
1: so, so uh, if people want to follow you, you uh, on Twitter, uh, is there a way they can get yep. a hold of you? What's yep. your handle?
2: I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm old school, so I'm at John Whalen, my full name, and that's a Whale with an N. And uh, yeah, Brilliant Experience is our company, brilliantexperience.com.
1: All right, fantastic! And uh, if you want to hear brilliant speakers like John, uh, like I mentioned, past speaker at our Conversion Conference, come drink from the fire hose uh, in the middle of May at the Rio in Las Vegas standalone mega show. We're going to only one U.S. show a year in addition to our U.K. and Germany shows. So uh, check it out: ConversionConference.com. Hope to see you there! And uh, loyal listeners, we'll see you on the flip side.